The following program is intended to provide general information only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Well, good morning, everyone. Tim Decker here. All things financial. JC, we're getting some feedback here, so I uh, think we need to hit one of those switches in there. I hope you all had a very nice Easter, and uh, again, let me thank you for ma- taking the time to make us part of your Saturday morning. There we go. Thank you, JC. Let me give you the phone numbers if you'd like to discuss anything with me. A lot going on in the world of finances of late. I would love to hear from you. Anything on your mind, if it's important to you, it's important to me. You can reach me here at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580. And anywhere else toll free, it's 800-724-5801. Again, that's 800 724-5801 724-5801 or you can email me live during the program here with any questions that you may have by emailing ffradio at comcast.net again that's ff as in financial freedom ffradio at comcast.net so how'd you like the volatility in the markets this past week did you notice it Oh, I know that you did, because unless you made a conscious effort to not turn on the television, to not read the paper, to not talk to any of your friends, colleagues, family members about anything financial, all that was in the media this past week was volatility in the markets. Everybody's speculating What's going to happen with the proposed tariffs? Notice I emphasize proposed. And anybody's guess at this point is strictly that guess. But regardless, markets uh, went through a very, very volatile week on the upside as well as the downside. What does that mean for the overall sentiment of investors? Well, According to the American Association of Individual Investors, which, as you know, I share with you their statistics from time to time. It's an excellent, excellent way of measuring the sentiment of investors out there. What we see is in January of this year, investors were the most bullish they'd been since 2010. Since 2010, 
they had not been any more bullish, more optimistic, more excited about investing in stocks than in January of this year. Well, guess what? Investors now are the most pessimistic they've been in seven months. Now, just step back with me for a second here. Think about this. So in January, was the market higher or lower than where it is now? Now I'm talking about the broad U.S. stock market, like the total stock market, or you can even look at the S&P or even the Dow. All of them were higher in January than they are now. So let's let's get this right. Follow along with me here, if you would, please. So in January, when the markets were higher, people were wanting to invest and were most optimistic about the stock market than they've been since 2010, when the market was higher than it is now. So as prices have come down this year, markets are down, broad markets down roughly about 2.3%. So prices are lower, which means value is greater, but yet you as investors are more pessimistic now than you have been in the last seven months. Can somebody explain that to me? If price and value are always indirectly correlated, why is it that humans, when it comes to the world of investing, typically look at it opposite? So in January, when market prices were higher, which means the value was not as good as it is now, when price-earnings ratios were higher then than they are now, People were more interested and more eager to invest. But now that prices have come down and are offering more of a bargain relative to where they were in January, individuals are more pessimistic. And you've, you know, we, we've discussed this on the show many, many, many times. The simple reason is. Investors left to their own accord end up with poor performance over time because their emotions guide their investing decisions. And as I like to say, investing is the only business that when things begin to go on sale, people rush out of the store, where in any other type of business, Think of Black Friday. Think of times that there's something specific that you've been looking to buy and you see it's on sale. You go rushing into the store, but not in not in the world of investing. No, no. Individuals, because of their emotion of fear and greed, consistently make poor investment decisions. When prices are high, 
people want to invest more. When prices come down, people start yanking money out of their investments. And that's what we have seen. Data shows that individual investors are yanking money out of the markets as they have come down. When just several months ago in January, they were pouring money into the markets. Now you ask, or now you know why I encourage you, don't try to invest on your own. Seek and find a financial coach. Find an experienced financial coach who is a 100% fee-only advisor and make sure, make sure that the advisor that you are working with does not succumb to the same nonsensical decisions that individuals on their own do. Because I can tell you, many, many financial advisors are doing the same thing. They're allowing what's going on in the world, in politics, in the markets, to dictate how they invest. And as you've heard me say on numerous occasions, that is a disastrous way to invest. Instead, you know what I'm going to say. Develop a plan, follow the plan, and stick with the plan and let the markets provide you opportunities. We're going to go to our first break. When we come back, I'm going to share with you, and in fact, I'm going to ask you, are you capitalizing on this volatility? We are. Our clients are. Are you? Well, I'm going to share with you how you can if you're not. Okay, let's go to our first break. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. Uh, and if you have anything you'd like to ask of me, you can reach me at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580. Toll free is 800-724-5801 or email me live here at ffradio at comcast.net. Okay, let's go to Holly Love at Stoffers of Kissel Hill. A lot of financial advisors won't want you to hear what we say. This is the financial show that represents you, not Wall Street. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. All right, welcome back. Tim Decker here with you talking any and all things financial. And before we go to Ron, um, let me remind you, lest I forget, take advantage of our free ongoing educational articles newsletter by going to our website and signing up for our free e-newsletter. It's called Insights and Education. If you go to our website, which is isifinancialgroup.com, that's isifinancialgroup.com, there on the home page, uh, towards the bottom right-hand corner, there's a place there for you to subscribe. And all we need is your email address. No other information is required. 
Okay, let's go to Ron. Uh, Ron, I guess you're on a cell phone. How can I help you, sir? Yes, I'm actually getting ready to cross the Susquehanna. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Going> east. <laughs> hey, you know, you were talking about the markets and, and investors, and I understand that. And I've always had a lot of respect for you and uh, your show. And I think you, uh, you know, you're always right on top of things. You understand it and explain it to us in a way we can understand it much better. But well, I thank have a you. question for you. Sure. And I figured you probably know the answer to this. <laughs> I have read and heard that mm-hmm. the the broad market, how the broad market performs, whether it goes up, it goes down, especially when it happens rather quickly, you know, mm-hmm. uh, basically reactions to something, and very often political. Um, I have read and heard that the individual investor, like me, okay, don't have much, right, uh, compared to the big hedge funds and the big banking institutions and et cetera, et cetera, the big insurance companies, et cetera, mm-hmm. we don't have much effect on it because we're the money amount the individual investor has in the market is re- relatively small compared to those big boys, you know, in a percentage. Investors. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and so my question is, um, the surveys that you were talking about on the individual, mm-hmm. that's those surveys – our investor reactions, that's basically the individual investor, I assume, generally speaking. Yes, the one that, the one that I was just specifically talking about, Ron, um, is the American Association of Individual Investors. You are acting oh, that, me- yeah. that measures individuals only. Now, what I was going to add, and um, I didn't yet, so thanks for bringing it up um when you also look at current sentiment among institutional investors and it's estimated that somewhere around 70 to 75 percent of all trades that take place during the day are as you said initiated by institutional investors big huge investors and when you look at if you look at how they currently are investing right now they have started loading up on what are called put options. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what a put option is. Uh, yeah, that's Basically, where you want to sell something, but yeah, it, you haven't sold it yet? Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically an option that is betting that the market's going to go down. Essentially, you'll make money on a put option if the market is going to – if it goes down. So you you actually have right now – a higher amount of negative bearish sentiment amongst institutional investors as well. So it's 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 not just amongst individual investors right now, it's also amongst institutional. So if I were to say that you know because you'll more often hear about the sentiment of individual investors when you mm-hmm. hear people talk about it uh, in the media. And if I were to say that it appears that the institutional investors are as emotional or more emotional than the individual investor because they're the ones that affect, seems to affect the market more. Would that be somewhat accurate? <laughs> you are not only somewhat accurate, you are accurate. In fact, when you go back and you look objectively at the data, which means we look at the facts, okay, 2 yeah. plus 2 equals 4 regardless of what I right. think or – someone else thinks when you go back and you look at the actual data you will find that not only do individual investors sadly underperform the returns that are available in 
the markets simply by owning a beautiful low-cost index-type fund. But institutional investors, the majority of institutional investors underperform the market returns as well. And it's for the exact same reason. Now, sometimes, you know, there's there's a lot more involved. It's not just, you know, fear or greed. A lot of time with institutional investors, it is misguided overconfidence. And as we know, one of the biggest enemies of sound investing is ego. If you want to make money in the world of investing, one of the most important important attributes to develop is humility as it pertains to understanding and accepting that neither I nor you nor anyone else can predictably and reliably outperform the markets. And the reason that we can't is what are the markets? Well, the markets are simply the aggregate of all of tens of millions of investors coming together every day and determining what is a fair price for all those securities so you, what you said is it's actually accurate now if i were to say something else i don't know if you can answer this or not but um it seems to me that sometimes because of the fact that the impact that the institutional investors have on the markets which is mm -hmm. big yep that it seems to me that sometimes they'll broadly say like it seems appear they're doing now, either unloading or, or or affecting the market, say, bringing it down in a negative way, and then coming back in when it drops where they think it is a really low price, then they buy massively. It's, and that's market manipulation, but I, I, I sometimes I think that they do that, you know? Well, remember, and, and I think this will really help you out, Remember, when you're talking about institutional investors making huge amounts of trades, yeah, there's two parties always involved. Right. There's a buyer and a seller. So you may have one institution selling, you know, a hundred million of a certain security, but there has to be, there has to be, for every seller there has to be a buyer, for every buyer there has to be a seller, there has to be another institutional investor yeah. on the other side of that trade. So it's not, like that it's, <laughs> it's not like it's overweighted. Yeah. It's a, it's a zero sum. There has to be a buyer. There has to be a seller. There's a winner. There's a loser for every single now, let me trade. Ask, oh, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to, because I, I know you've got limited time and other guests yep. uh, to talk to, but I, I did want to ask something, one more thing about your kind of business. You guys are fee-only investors. Yes, sir. Uh, investment companies. There's a couple of you around, and um, a few of you. And um, I'm always. Uh, I'm actually going to be switching some uh, some accounts over to you guys. But uh, what I wanted to know is, um, I, from what I've read so far or heard, uh, your fees are based. If if I'm uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your fees are based on the. Uh, it's a slope. It's a low percentage on how much assets I have with you, and therefore it's in your incentive to guide me to better performance because you don't make it on commissions. You make it on uh, a fee on the number, the amount of the assets. So either I bring more money in, or I perform, or my account performs very well, and then way you guys make more money because 
uh, that makes sense. I mean, it, it's <laughs> is that is that fairly accurate? That is very accurate. Or as I like to say, we hitch our wagon to yours, and or when as you profit, we profit. As you suffer, we suffer. That's what I was I was telling my kids. My kids are all grown now, and I'm I'm trying to convince them to switch over too because it's just if you're going to have somebody manage your money, even if they just hold it and you make the decisions, either way. Why not have somebody that has low fees but has an incentive uh, for you to have better performance because that's how they, uh, I guess sure. it's, yep. you guys thrive when we thrive. <laughs> yeah, it's called having some skin in the game, having a vested interest. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Man. You guys give advice too, I assume, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, good, good. So uh, um, if I look up, you guys are, uh, what's your company's name again? It's ISI Financial Group, and, and if you go to our website, isifinancialgroup.com, um, all the information is right right there, obviously. Because I used to do some discount brokers, but, you know, again, they do get commission, you know. And yeah, and you so. may have read, uh, in fact, I was going to bring this up, and I forgot on a show a while ago, uh, there was an article, and I believe it was in the Wall Street Journal, where they actually went in and they did some some uh hard look uh hard looking and i think they went to td ameritrade's retail they went to i believe schwab um they went to a few others and surprise surprise the people that work for those companies they were pushing certain products for which the companies made more income than they did off of other products which that is not a good thing you never want to That's, work with anybody that has anything or any incentive for any soft dollars any kickbacks right. for for recommending one thing over another so you That's have to unethical be <laughs> oh absolutely but it yeah. happens in the world yeah. of finance all the time well anyway i thank you for your time very much and you, you're welcome you ron that was a something great that i call. suspected so <laughs> yep nope i Appreciate your call and uh, what you asked was very, very informative, and I think that was beneficial, hopefully, to uh, all of our listeners as well. Have an awesome well, weekend. Well, certainly wouldn't hurt them anyway. <laughs> yep, that's right. All right, thank you. Take care. Bye. Okay, let's go to the news. When we come back, we're going to pick right back up. And again, let me ask you: Are you capitalizing on the volatility in the markets? As I mentioned earlier, we are. I am. Mike clients are and i'm going to share with you how it can be done without any emotions without any market timing there are some systematic disciplined tried and true ways that can help we'll be right back five three three this is your financial show, Central PA, Financial Freedom, on WHP Talk Radio 
717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580 or 800-724-5801. Or you can email me live at ffradio at comcast.net. And before I forget, two weeks from now, um, that will be April 21st, two weeks from now, We'll be having uh, my friend and co colleague, a uh, special guest we've had on several times in the past, Jonathan Clements. If you have not heard of Jonathan or you haven't read his books uh, or his columns uh, that were in the Wall Street Journal regularly for many, many years, Jonathan um, has become a good friend of mine over the years, uh, highly respected. And uh, uh, I'm going to be very fortunate to uh, have him on as a guest, and uh, we'll find out what he's been up to, what projects he's working on, and as always, get some of his keen, insightful thoughts on the world of finance. Uh, again, Jonathan Clements, our special guest two weeks from today on April 21st. Okay, before the break, I had asked you, are you capitalizing on what's going on in the markets as it pertains to market volatility. Because as I talked about at the very be beginning of this morning's program, about how, how we cannot reliably predict what the markets are going to do in the short term, what we can reliably predict is how people and investors, both both in individual and institutional, will react. It happens every time. It's like clockwork. I mean, you want to you want to predict something that is reliable and it consistently happens over and over again. It is how investors act. As we had talked about January, when the markets were higher than where they're at now. Individual investors, institutional investors were optimistic. We're adding monies. Now that the markets have come down a big 2.3% from January, of course, I'm being sarcastic there. 2.3% is nothing. Um, what we see is, as is always the case, when you go, when you, when you look at past market declines, Individuals' fear rises, and they start yanking money out of the markets and or they stop adding to their equity or stock investments. Well, let those people, which unfortunately are most people and most advisors and most institutional investors, let them continue to do what they've always done, and unfortunately, they end up being victims of their own behavior. It happens over and over and over and over and over again. So for those of us who are not of that mindset, for those of us who understand and focus on the evidence and the truths of investing and the academic evidence using evidence-based investing as our foundation in not only developing portfolios, but how we manage them. What are we doing? What can you do 
to actually capitalize on market volatility. And when I say market volatility, let me remind you, that is a two-way street. Remember, if you take and draw a line, a straight line, from the bottom left-hand corner of your piece of paper and go up at an angle, a straight line up at an angle to the right side, draw that line, and then take your pencil and go above it and below it and below it and above it. That's what volatility is. It is over and above and under the long-term upward trend. It's the variance of those returns above and or below. So as markets do that, as we've seen, especially in this past week, that mar markets can be very volatile in the short term, how do you capitalize on it? Well, how we capitalize and how you potentially can is through dynamic rebalancing. Now, dynamic rebalancing, doing it on your own is very, very hard. The difference between dynamic rebalancing and static or calendar-based rebalancing is if you do it on your own, you're probably going to just pick once a year at which time you're going to look at your portfolio and allow a certain variance and you need to determine this in advance and write it down so let's just say as an example you have determined that your portfolio is 60 percent stocks 40 percent bonds and at the end of the year whatever date you have written down that you're going to look at rebalancing it you sit down you look at your portfolio and let's say that you determine that now your stocks are now 64% of your portfolio, which means obviously your bonds are 46. Do you rebalance back to the 60-40 or do you let it ride? Well, it all depends on the variance, on the drift parameters that you have set. So let's say that you had said, Okay, I'm, I'm going to start with the 60-40, but if the 60% stocks gets to 70, so, so, so you've added 10 points above what your target is, then at that point I will rebalance. Or if my 60% stocks drops 10% or more, so it drops from 60 to 50 or even lower, then I will rebalance. But until that drift exceeds that 10% variance there, there's no need to rebalance. Now, I'm g giving you an example only. I am not in any way recommending that that's the portfolio you should use. That's the variance you should use. You need to sit down with your own financial advisor and come up with, obviously, based on your goals, your objectives, your tolerance for risk, all of that needs to be taken into consideration before you actually implement this. So that's that's just an example of how, if you were going to try to do it on your own, is really about the only way that I've seen anyone able to follow through. And 
frankly, most people don't even follow through because what typically happens is if your stock, if your target for stocks is 60%, and at the end of the year, when you sit down and you look at it, let's say the stock market's been on a tear like it was in 2017, and now your stocks have gone from 60% to, say, 72%. Using the example that I used earlier of a 10% drift being allowed, this would necessitate a rebalance, which, which would mean selling 12% of the stocks, if you're at 72, to get you back to 60, and buying with, that, with those funds that you've sold, buying bonds which have lagged stocks. But again, it all comes back to human nature investors don't like to sell when something has gone up or is g g going up and they don't like to buy and move into something that has lagged or has gone down okay we're going to take our last break when we come back up i'm going to follow up on this discussion of rebalancing and share with you the ideal way of rebalancing which is dynamic rebalancing and how that does allow you real time to take advantage of existing market volatilities don't go anywhere we'll be right back yeah, yeah. providing you with the information and answers to gain your financial independence this is financial freedom on whp 580 once again here's tim decker freedom. all right welcome back okay uh we were talking about rebalancing, and I wanted to, I shared with you how, as an individual, if you try to go alone, uh, about the only way that I've seen people able to reliably do that is based upon picking a certain time of the year and rebalancing that same time annually. You can do it more often. I recommend that you don't. In fact, some arguments can be made the less frequently it's done, the, the better. But there is a better way. Just like index funds are great investments, they're great investment vehicles for the average retail investor, which is what I recommend for people investing on their own. But there are better options than index funds. There are, what, there are what is called institutional asset class funds. And uh, unfortunately, some of the best ones out there are not available to individuals directly. They're not available to retail investors. And uh, at our firm, we're very fortunate that we have access to them and that we are able to uh, implement them. So just like index funds are a great option for retail investors, in fact, for the most part, that's all that I would recommend for those of you trying to invest on your own, um, but there are better options um, that take what's good about index funds and improve on them. Well, just like calendar rebalancing is a very good thing, and it's an important thing for you to do if you're investing on your own, there is a better way to 
re rebalance, and it's called dynamic rebalance. And this is a strategy that we employ thanks to the advanced technology that we have. And essentially what it does is it looks at accounts and monitors accounts literally daily and having nothing to do with a calendar once we have set the parameters and the drifts for each investment holding it will automatically let us know when it's time to rebalance and that could be two times a year if the markets are very volatile it may not be that we have to rebalance for 18 months but it's dictated by when it's needed which could happen at any time depending upon market volatility and in no way is tied to a calendar. And the other thing that's really nice is via dynamic rebalancing, we do not reinvest dividends into the same holding. Rather, when the dividends and capital gains are paid out of the institutional index type of funds, the dividends and capital gains are simply temporarily dropped into the money market held in the account. And then the technology will look at all the different pieces of the pie, all of the different holdings. And whatever is most underweight, its target percentage, that's where the cash goes to work. So it's consistently doing what is every investor's dream which is buying low it consistently is looking to put money to work into whatever asset class is low so putting this into perspective during times when the stock market is down and dividends become available or capital gains or one of our clients adds to their investments maybe they're adding every month or uh, they send in a check, they just want to make a deposit, the technology will always identify what part of the portfolio is most underweight, thus is the lowest, and put that money to work. So in today's environment, that could very well be putting money into some of the stock funds, depending upon where they are relative to the target percentages of all the other funds. So it is a way to consistently, unemotionally, strategically, and dynamically buy low. And my friends, investing 101 is buy low, sell high. And it also forces us to incorporate and capitalize and exploit what's going on during times of market volatility by following what Mr. Warren Buffett has reminded us many, many times, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. So there you have it. That's a way that you can actually rebalance and it can be done in a way that can take all of the emotions out of it and allows you to capitalize when others are panicking and selling you can be the smart money on the other side of the trade and gradually little by little be buying from those who unfortunately for them 
are selling, but fortunately for us, we are able to buy. Dynamic rebalancing. And by the way, it's shown that it can add some extra returns over time to your account. So it's an awesome thing. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be with you next week.